The following program is produced by the Tech Talk Radio Network. This is Alice Cooper, the original Technotard, and you're listening to Tech Talk Radio. It's another episode of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Justin Lemmy. Welcome looks, back. Looks like uh, Broadway. I know Amanda's out today. Broadway yep. said he was going to be here. Oh, Broadway's too busy streaming. <laughs> have you been checking out any of his streams? I have. I actually have. He was streaming his chicken coop for a while, and then he was streaming, like, watching another Twitch streamer, and then he was just kind of, like, commenting over their stream. So, I mean, he's he's extremely active. I mean, he's, he's really putting in the work into yeah. his channels. Yeah, I get the notifications on his uh, Twitter feed that he's he's well, doing it. He's using Restream, so he's streaming to like all the platforms I'm following on. So when he goes live, I get like five notifications. I'm like, yeah, I get it, I get it. John's live. <laughs> now is he straight? Is he? Did he get uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020? Did he do uh, that? Because I, I know he's been doing. So. He's been doing the one with the little inflatable people, which which is uh, Fall Guys. Fall Guys. Everybody loves that game. Yes. Yes, everybody loves Fall Guys. It, that it really, honestly, just took the gaming community by storm. I mean, it came out what, Sean, like two weeks ago? It's probably by the time the show airs, three, maybe just under a month old. Yeah, okay. And and when it came out, it people like literally overloaded the servers the first day. They actually had to oh, shut I, the game I, down. I played it. Yeah, I played it the day it launched. It was okay for it was okay for a while. But then it was noticeably laggy, and then you weren't able to connect, and then you kept getting kicked out after one round, or yeah. you, you wouldn't, you weren't getting your experience points. And then it was just, it was just a mess for a couple of days after that. For those of you who don't know, Fall Guys, it's a, it's a new game that it's out on uh, PC and it's out on PlayStation Four. That's the only two platforms. You can't get it on Switch, you can't get it on Xbox, but um, it's it's a battle royale, which is that what what you know everything is now Call of Duty and all that other stuff, uh, Fortnite. They're all battle everybody royales. Everybody versus everybody. It's everybody versus everybody. But the way this works is there's no guns. There's no violence. It's just a bunch of funny little inflatable looking characters. And you basically have to race to the end of a map. And the first, I don't know, 40 out of 60 people go, go on to the next round. And then each round, more and more people get eliminated until the last round. I think there's five rounds total. In the last round, there's one winner. And that's it. I mean, it's just a fun little party game. It's kind of like Mario Party in a way. It's a mix between Mario Party and the Ultimate Wipeout show that was on TV. Yes. Mm. You have to do these courses. You have to jump over these devices that are spinning and try to knock you off the map. And people are, you know, the characters can grab each other. And there's this one map that's called Rollout where it's these different sections of the map. It's basically one big cylinder. You're standing on the edge of the cylinder and it starts to roll. And there's different sections you have to jump over and you walls you yeah. get knocked into and gaps you have to jump over it's, and stuff. It's really fun. It's a simple battle royale game that is has a really great replayability. Yeah, and it's it's very family friendly. Like I said, there's no guns, there's no violence, there's no blood and gore. It's just a fun party game. It's like like you said, it's like Mario Party. Now how do how does somebody get this? So if somebody listening right now and they, they play on a maybe they don't have a console. Uh, the, I don't know if the, this game is mobile on a mobile device. No, no. So currently, it's only available on Steam or PS4. And yeah. Steam is something you could download for the PC platform. Yeah. yeah. And can you can, is Steam available for Mac? Yes, it is. Okay, cool. But there's there's a limited selection of games on the Mac. I don't know if Fall Guys is available on Steam for Mac, uh, but it, it might be. I I don't know what the price is, Sean. Do you know what the price is? Uh, it was 19.99 on Steam. Okay, that's not bad. That's, it's not bad. Yeah. And it like it's like Sean said, it's got a lot of replay replayability. Yeah. And they introduced seasons, so there'll definitely be new seasons. There will be new, new maps. levels. There will be new maps, um, things like that. But what I like about this is also there are a couple team games in there. So if you're queued by yourself, you could do a free for all game. There's one called Slime Climb where you have to run up this hill covered in slime and stuff knocks you off. <laughs> but then there's games like. Hoarders, right? There's five balls that drop into the map, and you have to try and get those five balls to your your team's side of the map, right? So mm-hmm. there's not 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 just single player, not just solo play. You also have to work as a team for some of these. Sure. So you can have people that don't know how to play the game, and you're just stuck now. That's one of the biggest your team. Is, yeah. Is people are getting stuck on teams that are either they don't know how to play the game, they're throwing the game, or they're just working against you. So there's a lot of 
develop there's a lot of developmental feedback if you go to their twitter page there's a lot of the developmental feedback that is as there mostly positive but also a lot of negative feedback yeah well this, this will help them to make the game even better then absolutely which is I, uh, yeah, I think so. that's pretty cool because like i said it looks so basic and i've i've kind of i've seen broadway playing it and i know i didn't really understand what was going on it's just a lot of running around and yeah, it, it is yeah it is running running and jumping yep Basically, right. it's kind of the, the key to, to a good game. So I don't know. Well, I know that you guys and I still haven't gotten it yet. And I'm, I'm kind of bummed. Uh, I have been playing Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020. I know over the last three yeah. weeks, you know, for our listeners that don't do games, we've talked a lot about it. But it is a groundbreaking game technology wise. Uh, everything that I've been reading since it's been released, since people have been playing it, they're just blown away by how great the graphics are. Really? Eh, eh, really? Eh, oh, you're kidding me. Eh, wow. So, Who wants to go first? I can. Okay. Because Sean has more time in the game. See, I'll let, you, I'll, you guys are going to make it him. so I don't want to drop the money on this. No, cause... no. Just listen. No, okay. Just listen. So, All right. I get it. It's a worldwide game. That's a lot of content, right? It's a lot of maps. It's a lot of data. It's a lot of stuff. I have been... There, now there's some good graphics, and there are some. Uh, the AI is good about some stuff, but the AI is garbage about some mm -hmm. other stuff. Really? Right? Whoa! So they're they're using satellite images to do all the AI, right? From Bing Maps. From Bing Maps. Now, which is Bing Maps, extremely outdated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if I go to Bing Maps, and I look at the satellite image, and I go, "Wow, that looks good," and I look at my other screen, which I'm currently paused over top of. In the same spot that I'm looking on a big maps, it looks like a trash can. Oh, it looks really? Like garbage. Now, what are your settings, though? What do you have your settings on? Right. So I'm running on the, not the ultra settings, but I'm running on high. So yeah. I've cranked up, and I've tweaked it. So I've got like the best, uh, I don't remember what the settings are called, but it's like the best terrain view, the best sure. map view. What are you getting stuff. for frames per second? I have it set to 60. I don't, I don't have the frames per second running so i don't know what i'm actually getting but it runs really smooth for me okay so for me i'm i mean okay so sean you have what 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 what, what specs on your processor okay processor memory and 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 uh gpu okay so i have the i7 880 okay six the six core i've got 16 gigs of memory okay uh two six i think and then i've got the 1070 ti Okay, so I'm pretty comparable. I have the i7 8800K. Mm -hmm. um, I have 32 gigs. Uh, same thing. I think it's like uh, uh, PC PC uh, uh, 2666. I think it is. But then, but but the difference is I have the RTX 2080 Ti. Now that's 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 like a whole new generation above what Sean has because Sean actually has my old graphics card. Yeah. The thing is, I also run on high settings. And I'm getting like 20 to 30 frames a second, Ooh. especially overpopulated urban areas. It's, it takes so much more to render all the 3D buildings. Now, for to have a 2080 Ti and still get 20 to 30 frames a second, I feel like it's got to be an optimization thing. I, I feel like there's, there's going to be an update to either the NVIDIA drivers. There was on the day of launch, but it's not good enough. Or there's got to be some optimization in the game because... There's no reason that me having, and Sean too, I mean, you're not that far behind me. There's no reason we should be running at 20 to 30 frames a second with the hardware that we got. Uh, especially I'm overclocked to five gigahertz on my core. My fans go crazy when I start playing the game, which is fine. I'm wearing a headset. I don't hear it. Yeah. But to get 20 to 30 frames a second, it, it's very jumpy. And yes, the, the terrain doesn't look the greatest. I mean, yeah, I get it. But, like, again, it's outdated. Like, Bing Maps. Like, I flew over my neighborhood in Denver. My neighborhood's been here since 2014. The map is still showing 2015. Like, from what it looked like back in 2015. My house wasn't even built yet. Oh, wow. Wow. So, I, that's kind of disappointing because, you know, I have seen some reviews where people have said they're just blown away by it. But then again, I don't know if those are those are ads. You know, like I'm saying, you know, promoting no, the game. No, it's a good game. It's really good. But... As Sean was alluding to, there's a lot of bugs too. Like a lot of it is stemming from like autopilot, the the autopilot systems in these planes they don't work properly. Uh, the G1000, the Garmin G1000 uh, glass cockpit is completely jacked up. 
It needs to be reworked, especially in the 787s, the 737s, the 747s. And then ATC works pretty nice. I like that. You know, the, talking to air traffic control, you know, you, you let, I let my co-pilot do that, my virtual co-pilot. He basically tunes all the frequencies for me and requests the clearance and all that. But it's, it's difficult for me to get in and to sit there for 45 minutes to program my flight just before I take off and then to take off and have my plane just go crazy in the air and I can't set autopilot correctly and my plane ends up crashing, it's very frustrating. And then you got to start, start all over. Well, at that point, I'm just like, no, forget this. I'm, I'm going to go watch TV. Now, uh, Sean, you were talking about, well, just before we started the show today, you were like, I'll be right there. I'm just about to land in San Diego. Um, yeah, so so I've, I've been flying. I got home from work, and I just I had a pretty rough day at work, so I just wanted to zone out and fly. So I, I did a couple small flights, and the one big thing I'm doing is I'm doing – there's scenarios you can do, right? So right now I'm doing a bush a bush flight. Oh, wow, So I'm yeah. flying in, in Patagonia. I'm flying like 650 nautical miles, right? But you follow a path, and you only get VFR. There's no other directions except for the directions in the log. Now, it's for like, those of you who aren't pilots, VFR means visual. means you're not yep. getting directed by air traffic control. You are on your own. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you get, a, you get a list of directions that says, here's where you're going to end up. Here's your stop. But this is the route you're going to take. You're going to follow this river for three and a half mi- nautical miles. Then you're going to follow it north upstream for 18 miles. And the, it's going to be a grass landing strip on the, the south side of the river. So you wow. can just follow these directions. And you get an achievement if you don't use the ability to track your plane and get some assistance if you get turned around or lost. So it's it's complicated because you're like, okay, I'm flying. Okay, I'm looking at the river. I've got to look down and see the river. I've got that that's the kind of flying I like doing. Yeah. Justin likes to do the flying, the big seven eighty sevens and the big dreamliners and that kind of thing. That's the stuff he likes to oh, do. Oh no, 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 no. I, I, I like following the, the small planes too. Yeah, but I think you enjoy more doing the, the bigger ones, I'll, the co-pilots. I'll, and the big I'll be honest with you. I, I know I just said it, but I'll be honest with you. I have not flown an airliner in this game yet. When I was making that comment about the G1000, especially in the 787s and blah, 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 I was going off of the Discord, the official Microsoft Flight Simulator Discord channel where people were talking about that. So I yeah, honestly, I I've only flown a Cessna 152, a 172, a Cessna Citation Jet, and a Piper J-Cub. That's all I've ever flown in this game. Oh, J-Cubs are great. They, they're one yeah. of the only planes that can fly backwards. Yep. It's just... <laughs> I've seen it. Sure, I'm sure I can figure that out inside a flight simulator. I, I actually have seen that happen. It's uh, actually pretty cool. So now when you, when you uh, interact with air traffic control and say you're flying alone, you're not flying in a group, um, is this you type out what you want to nope. say? Or does no, it respond there's... like like an, like an Amazon Alexa or an Echo would? Uh, kind of, you don't even have to talk. You don't talk to it. There's there's a pre-designated list of things to say to the air traffic controller, and then you just press the number corresponding to it, and then the air traffic controller, again, it's an AI, uh, responds back to you, and then you just go from there back and forth. So it's kind of like, you know, pick, you know, choose your story or whatever. Um, now, I know that we talked about the initial last week about um, VATSIM, the, the virtual air traffic uh, simulator. Mm-hmm was going to be included with flight simulator when that is a way for you to actually be able to co- connect directly with real people who will act as pilots, co-pilots and as air traffic controllers. I guess that got broken on the, on launch day. They yeah, had to I disable not been it. Able to connect to a VATSIM server. Not, not that I'm interested because I, I would screw it up and I don't want to ruin it for other people. Because yeah. I'm, you really got to know what you're I'm doing not, when you, when you go you to that. You got to know what you're doing. Yeah. You can't, be, you so, can't go in there and be like, Oh, hello. My name is Sean. I want to take off from runway seven. <laughs> no, you don't, you don't do that. What I was doing when we first connected was I had flown from mirror. I like the San Diego area and I'm very familiar with it because I lived out there for a while. I flew from the Miramar air station to sure. San Diego. It's like nine nautical miles. It took me like yeah. 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what I did, what I like to do is I like to do the AT, the, the air traffic controller stuff. I was on approach, right? And then as I got to approach it, because I'm playing on a live multiplayer server, once I got to the San Diego approach, the Lindbergh Field ATC, then I could start hearing the other pilots interacting with the ATC. And I'd watch the plane come off the runway and as I'm coming in for an approach. And then it's like, okay, you know, November Alpha... Delta, yeah, whatever my something. plane's number was, cleared for land on approach and runway nine. And then I would land. And then, you know, I had to say, like, okay, I landed. Now I want to go taxi. 
Like I, yeah. and then it's like, okay, taxi. There, there is like, a okay. lot of realism to it. It is, yeah, it is so, real, but there's a lot of bugs that draw you away from that realism. Well, that's you know, my that's my, that's my big thing. Now, I, I like I said, I haven't dropped the cash on it yet, and I do want to play it. But um, my thoughts were because I played the original Flight Sims, and they were fun. But after a while, I'd get bored with them because I'd just be flying here and there. What I liked is when you know you had the challenges. When you had like, oh, you got to fly through hoops, you got to land here, you got to. Do this. You got to land on an no aircraft. hoops in this one. You no got to land through an, on an aircraft carrier. I mean, that's what kind of made it. So you could plan a flight and do it. And every time, I don't know if you guys ever did this, but every time I would take an actual flight, where I'd hop in a plane from here and maybe fly to L.A. or you know have to go to Dallas. You know, I would, uh, I would then sure. as soon as I got home, I'd get in the simulator yeah. and yeah. I'd try and replicate it. Yeah, yeah. But I, I get bored with that after a while, so I was like, I want a challenge. And that's I want it to be both the sim and game. You know what that's I'm saying? That's what Sean was mentioning about the bush, but the bush trips or whatever. So you have so that. There are there are available settings that you can go in and turn off. Like I have turned off engine stress. I've turned off oil pressure. Like I've turned off all those things that it's going to ruin a flight for me if I have to make an emergency landing because my oil pressure dropped out or my engine, you know, you, took a dump. Speaking of that, Sean, you can actually even set failures. You can yeah. set a random failure to happen sometime in your flight, and then you're going to have to deal with it. Yep. Oh, I like that. Well, then so, they do that I, when you're I, training, I, I too. I do like the challenges, too, Andy. And to, to point it out, I've been doing a lot of the landing challenges. So in so right now, the available challenges are there's some land, landing challenges. They've got three categories. They've got, like, they, they call scenic. So you're landing at the, the most scenic airports in the world. Then they have what they call the epic landings, where you're landing at some of the most difficult airports to land oh. at, the, sh the shortest runways, the ones that are like if you go too far, you're off the edge of a mountain, you know, the one that you land that you're if you don't land, if you land short, you're in the ocean. But then they have one that's called, I don't remember if it's epic or if it's something else, but it's like crosswinds, like you're trying to land a Dreamliner oh, yeah. severe crosswinds, and they're really really hard, but they're real scenarios that happen in, in yeah. airports around the world. And you're yeah. trying to land these ginormous jets on these runways that are, have these insane crosswinds and you're coming in sideways and it's, I've crashed a lot, right? <laughs> but, but, but it's fun. So many people like, have died under your command. <laughs> yeah. so, you know what I'm hoping uh, is, could this signal maybe Microsoft to, now that they've kind of brought this back well, to life to come back with a combat flight simulator. Do you remember combat flight simulator, which came out after, well, Flight sim, and it was great because you would fly missions, and you were in fighter fighter aircraft from World War II. It just that was always a blast. I, I get, I, I get that, I, and I would love to see that. But here's the thing: you gotta understand, Microsoft didn't make this game; Microsoft financed it. So if they can find a company, because remember, Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020 came out with Asobo Studios. Fun fact: Asobo is Japanese for the word play. Oh, that, I so, didn't know that. Yeah, so it's Play Studios. Right. So if Microsoft can find another studio like a Sobo to make uh, Combat Flight Simulator 2020, then yeah, sure, that'd be awesome. And that would be cool, though, if they could use that same engine, though. That, so maybe it yeah. would have to be a Sobo to come up with it. That's now, what would make I, it fun. I will say that the live weather is really, it's pretty accurate. I mean, it's using real-time weather forecasts. And I flew up, I flew from South Bend to Ludington, and it was raining. When I got to Ludington, it was foggy, and I looked at the weather, and it was, sure enough, rainy and foggy. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, there's one other really, really cool thing that I read on, uh, on online about the flight simulator is that Microsoft expects or is basically uh, um, forecasting that flight simulator is going to bring in $2.6 billion in hardware accessories. Oh, yeah. Because just a flight simulator. People are out there wanting to try this, but they don't want to fly with a keyboard and mouse or an Xbox controller. Nah, man. They want the real thing. They want a flight stick or they want a yoke like an actual aircraft has with the pedals. You're looking at at least 100 bucks per item. So 100 bucks for your yoke, 100 bucks for your throttle quadrant, 100 bucks for your pedals. You know, they're, they're expecting this is going to be, and if you look anywhere right now, you cannot we, we talked about this four yeah. weeks ago when we heard that this was coming. You we cannot said, buy it. We told you. We said, get your, your throttle, your joystick I, controllers. I would not want to be a Thrustmaster customer service rep right now. Oh, my their goodness. Their Facebook feed, their Twitter feed. I, I looked because I was like, huh, I wonder if I could get one for, you know, if, if somebody else wanted to get one. And they had an Airbus special, uh, like the controller. the Airbus dual, is the type of plane. Like, yeah. 
they had an Airbus special controller specifically for the launch of Flight Sim. They said, you guys are going to have it for launch. It's going to be great. Well, you're not going to get it until the end of October now. Wow. Ooh. Oh, that's not good. So it's not yeah, like they so had it and ran these, out of All it. these people that pre-ordered this Airbus kit, they're like, sorry, delays. You're not getting it until October. Wow. Man. That's that, crazy. That would make me mad. So, so people are pretty PO'd well, because what, what are you going to do? You can't go to the store and buy one because they're all yeah. sold out. I yeah. kind of wonder, though, if they moved up the release from what they were originally talking about when you, they were communicating with the manufacturers like Thrustmaster and SciTech and Logitech, because you remember you and we did all they talk, move up the release? I have a feeling because we talked about it, and I remember Sean, you actually said, you know, we're not going to see this till November, and that's what we were oh, thinking. That's right. And suddenly it was like pretty quick. They said, August okay, 18th. it's it's, well, it's coming out. I, it was. If, if I go back to that conversation, I believe it was the open beta was supposed to start. Yeah. In. In August, yeah, it wasn't supposed to even be released, so I don't know if they just went. Well, we're ready. Oh no, 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 no! They they did what they did. We are the beta testers. That's what Microsoft <laughs> is notorious for. No, seriously, think about it. <laughs> Windows so XP, true. Windows ME, Windows Vista, everything that Microsoft has released, they don't do beta. They just release it upon their people and say, "Here, fix our problems for us." Yeah, tell us what's wrong. What is it doing yeah, to you? Exactly. So that's what Microsoft does. That's that's just inherent with the Microsoft product. You are the beta tester. Broadway has been able to pop in, and man, he was just laughing so much just now when you were talking about that because you've experienced that too. You think? Oh, yeah. <laughs> just a little bit. We were talking before you joined us uh, on and how you were been playing uh, Fall Guys, and it seems like you're having a good time with that. Thank you. Did, did you get a crown so yet? Many things. Justin, no. <laughs> you did not get a crown. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, yeah, how do you get a crown? Is when you actually win all, you know, you get first in the fifth, the fifth round. Yeah, you the win the whole battle royale in Fall Guys. Whole, you get okay, a crown. Look, look, look. Let's just yeah, wait, wait, no, hold on, John. You don't get to talk about this because you don't have no, a crown I yet. Do. I do, I do, because <laughs> I've been to the crown five times and I didn't know until the third time that I had to hit all the ground. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would make for good streaming. So I was jumping. And then eliminated. And everybody was on my street was like, you dummy! And they didn't tell me why I was a dummy. And it wasn't until the third time in one night, literally in like a three-hour span, I had already got to there five times, and three of those times I didn't jump. The last two times I jumped and tied of the runner didn't make it. Oh, man. So but close. now you know. I, well, now, I know, and now. That happened the first frustrated. time to me, too, John, is I jumped up and it bounced right off the crown. And yeah, I got, right. got eliminated. I'm like... <laughs> I was the first one there. The last one, the last one I did was exactly that. I hit the bottom of it, I guess, and it bounced me right back down. And then all of a sudden, this other dude, I saw this other dude go up like this as it told me I was There eliminated. are I'm so like, many people listening to this right now going, what are these guys talking about? Yeah, yeah. It sounds right. For 20 bucks, it sounds like a fun game. It and, is. You know, and broad, Broadway, I know you was being a first-person shooter kind of guy and having fun was, with that. Yeah. Was this... This was kind of a surprise, wasn't it? As soon as we y'all told us about it, and then I saw my I went to my PS4 and it was our free downloads. I grabbed it, and I did. I played it one time that night, and oh my gosh, it's first off. I I have not spent any money, but I damn sure want that chicken skin. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. I thought about you. Level right. 26? Cause, okay. Because I swear, they, I think about chickens. Like, all I think about is these are my chickens running. Because that's what my chickens look like. So now I'm inspired to build a big uh, blow up uh, fall arena guys arena. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. guys, my chickens you are real. So many people to watch that. Dude, that would be, that would skyrocket you past Dr. Disrespect right there. Well, it was a big anniversary this past week, the 25th anniversary for Windows 95. Oh, my God. I'm so old. <laughs> I, you know, most people say, wait, 25 years since that came out. But when you think about like, you know, how, how that changed everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, the invention of the start button. It was that was that was the first time we didn't have a start button with Windows 3.1. Nope. You you didn't. So we had a file menu. If you remember uh, the hoopla around it, uh, the Rolling Stones, they took their song Start Me Up. The song was used to promote it because they knew that they were going to have wait, a challenge. Seriously? Yeah. You didn't know that? Well, yep. I was like 13. So. Yeah, so the song Start Me Up uh, was used as the ad campaign for Windows uh, Windows 95 when it came out. And wow. it was a uh, kind of a it was a big thing. I mean, it, they knew that they were going to have they were going to be up against the challenge to get people to move from Windows 3.1 
to go to Windows 95. And I'll be honest with you, I liked working with Windows 3.1 and DOS. To me, that was like, to be able to jump into DOS and be able to do something, you just felt like, okay, I got this. Whether, like, you know, you were fixing a disk, you, you were... You thought you were like a programmer. Yeah, you some felt... super you, hacker. You felt like it. And, you know, Windows kind of... That's what I feel like we're using Linux right now. Well, yeah, Windows 3.1 or Windows uh, 95 kind of... It kind of took that away. It made it, it more user-friendly. Kind of, Linux was around before Windows. Oh, I know. Yeah, Red Hat. I know, but and, I never and, used and it Linux, before that. And, and Linux was... Um, I mean... It's just kind of frustrating because I, I think that those of us that were using Linux pre-Windows and also in DOS, because all of our games were in DOS back then, you had to do everything in DOS. You couldn't really load into Windows. There was no point in going into Windows because none of the games would work in Windows. Yeah. That, to me, was why I was comfortable. Like Andy said, I think that's why I was still comfortable at the console level. And I still revert to the console for a majority of the things that I need to do administratively to my machine. Even in huh. Windows 10, I like to drop to the shelf and see how much dirt I can do. Interesting. What was uh, what would you say was your biggest challenge in moving from Windows 3.1 to go to Windows 95? I mean, other than having to sit there with all those three and a half inch floppy drives, uh, uh, floppy disks, and get it installed. The biggest thing for me was knowing that I was going to have to learn this a lot quicker than everybody else, since yeah. everybody else relied on me. And and I also was you know fresh in the industry and proving myself. And we were also rolling out Windows NT 3.5.1. Uh, for server mm. environments as well. I remember coming that. Off of token ring. Yep. Coming off of token ring and going directly into now Ethernet. And people are like, oh my gosh. And then all this new equipment that only, you know, did one uh, 10 megabit, right? 10 megabit switches back I then think, or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. It was Not even switches, slow. hubs. Um, it, oh, that's right. Yeah, I apologize. It wasn't even smart switches, it was just straight hubs. You're right. Um, those, 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 and the TCP/IP stack that had to be implemented in Windows 95 for you to be able to get online, that was the most corrupt and rudimentary item. Even though Windows 95 had its own stack built into it and a dialer and everything for people to get on internet, you still had you had the Chameleon. I don't know if y'all remember Chameleon dialer, mm -hmm. or Chameleon uh, software. So if you didn't use the built-in Windows software, you'd have to use the third-party software, and a lot of people didn't know that Windows had it built in. And that was also a big problem because if you weren't versed in all the TCP/IP networking and all these other things, you, of course, if I, if you were an IT professional back then, were getting tons of phone calls about, oh, I can't connect on the internet because of X. Those were the biggest hurdles I had. If you think about it, uh, Windows 95, in a way, you know, when it when it came out 25 years ago this week, um, it really bolstered the the economy when it comes to uh, the companies that were making manufacturing computers. Uh, the hardware that had changed, your printers uh, connected differently. You had graphics that were getting better uh, when you wanted to play games. You also had books. Uh, who remembers getting the first Windows for Dummies book? Yeah, and Andy Rathbone, who wrote the Windows for uh, 95 for Dummies, was actually on the Tech Talk radio show because we actually started uh, around about the same time that uh, Windows 95 was launched. So a lot of the calls that we would get when we were doing Tech Talk radio back then uh, we're all surrounding, how do I do this in Windows 95? Or people that were still hanging on Windows 3.1 trying to figure out, you know, how to get the best out of that. I don't know anybody that still has a Windows 95 install. I have a virtual machine that runs Windows 95. Now, what, what do you use it for? Just to do it. I just did it. There's no other reason why I did it. I just literally I have one that runs Windows 95, Windows 98, Windows XP, Windows 7. Because I can. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I got inspired. I had to build a virtual machine running XP uh, for a specific prompter software at a station I worked at uh, to get it to upgrade to the newest version so we could upgrade the machine, yada, yada. Uh, and then I just was like, well, I wonder if I can download an ISO of Windows 95. And sure enough, I, could, I found it and downloaded it and just was like, well, let's build a virtual machine. And then I was like, yeah, let's do Windows 98. So I just spent one night just downloading these ISOs and just building random virtual machines just because. Do you, you remember uh, Windows 95 and then it was Windows 95 OSR2, which I thought was major changes. It was kind of like, you know, Justin, your point was earlier was that we're the beta testers. Yeah. And we've seen that so often with Windows 95, then OSR2. That was like, okay, that's what was supposed to be. Yeah. Then you had Windows 98. Then you had Windows 98 Special Edition. Special Edition was what? They fixed from Windows 98. <laughs> yeah. Basically, right? that was the original Windows 98. 
So there... to keep in mind, when Windows 95 came out, I was eight years old. Were you playing around with it? Uh, I mean, my parents had computers, so uh, we had. I remember having a computer that ran Windows 3.1. Um, and I do remember Windows 95. I remember going from the, the file explorer and the task manager and those types of things to the start menu. I remember that was a big deal. Like, even as a kid, I can remember going like, wow, this is so much more intuitive. I can click a start button and there's all my programs. Now I can play Solitaire or, and Spider Solitaire and all those things because that's all I cared about was playing games on the computer. I remember, let's see, what was it? I think it was Windows 95. Well, it might have been actually DOS. because Probably Windows 3.1, but I remember playing... Uh, Castle Wolfenstein yep. was my first mm. game. And I want to say it was because I remember we just gotten this brand new awesome sound card called the Sound Blaster. Oh, yeah. And oh, you could yeah. actually yes. get like yeah. auto effect, audio effects. And you didn't have to listen to the, like the PC speaker beep at you. You could get like real audio effects from it. And I, I want to say that was with DOS because I remember having to go into DOS and load. It came out with 3.1. Um, it might have been available before pre 3.0. But because we're on the flight simulator topic, too, my brothers and I played a lot of Jet Fighter. Jet right. Fighter I remember two. Jet Fighter 2, yeah. Uh, and we had, a serial, we had a serial joystick that we used. It was a ton of fun. Uh, so I, I played a lot of, of DOS-based games growing up. All right, so the, the whole idea of, of doing a virtual machine for anybody that likes to wax poetic with this stuff is that is that difficult to set up? Is that hard to do? Well, what would be the steps if somebody wants to do that? Um, you, have to you have to download the software that'll do it, VMware, or there's yeah. a handful of third-party applications that'll do it. Yeah. Then you have then you have to have an ISO of an ISO is an image file of an operating system. Uh, it's relatively easy to do it now. You can do most versions of Windows with the media creation tool. I think you can go back as far as Windows ninety eight with the media creation tool if you find the right files. But you have to have an ISO that is either burned to a DVD or burned to an ISO file and saved somewhere you can access it with the virtual machine. And then you have to run the virtual machine and point it to the ISO and load it. The problem is trying to configure it to work with your your monitor and your peripherals that are plugged in because it doesn't – older machines, older versions of Windows don't have drivers that support all that stuff. Yeah. So it's kind of – you have to run them in weird virtual environments with drivers and – like almost compatibility mode. I mean, it's going to be. It can get quite complicated. Yes. Yeah. And the only reason to do that trying would to just find be... drivers to work with a modern day peripheral with like Windows ninety five or even ninety eight. Gosh, Windows Vista drivers. Even I mean, it's going to be very hard to find. What is Vista? What was that? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was the one that was actually better than Windows ME. I remember my first laptop that I bought had windows me on it oh, yeah. and i removed it immediately and put windows 2000 which yeah. was more of the like work version it was like a sir it wasn't windows 2000 server but it was windows 2000 workstation so it was definitely more geared toward the corporate environment than the home user but yeah i got rid of windows me right away but here's the funny thing i had a laptop that had windows vista i never had any problems with it yeah, I, I mean, I know there were so many people out there that said Windows Vista was just as bad as Windows ME. It had it was horrible, horrible, horrible. I never once had any issues with Windows Vista. Would you say though that where we're at now with Windows 10, um, is it probably the best operating system oh, that Microsoft has ever put out? Absolutely, absolutely. When it first came out, eh, maybe, but they well, really when, improved. When it first came out, they they did some shady stuff with privacy when it first came well, out. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. You know, but yeah, now, I mean, there's, truth be told, they're probably still doing some shady stuff with privacy, but it's still the best operating system they've put out. I really, li I really liked Windows 7, and I, I was yeah. not sure I was going to like Windows 10. And they're promising we're going to see some more changes with Windows 10, like over the next, uh, well, before the end of the year. We're probably going to see some interface changes, some things that are really neat. One of the things that I heard about this week that I thought, wow, this is cool is Microsoft working with so closely with Android. And I don't know if you heard about this, uh, if you've used the Yort phone app, now you're not using a Samsung device anymore, right, Justin? You're using the No, the a Pixel. Google Pixel, yep. Right, well, those with Samsung devices can use the Your phone app that's part of Microsoft Windows and be able to stream content from your Android device to your PC running Windows 10 with huh. that Your phone app, which I thought 
Yeah, they just announced it this week, but it's only going to be working on the Galaxy devices and the Samsung devices right now, but they do plan to kind of enhance that, which I think is pretty neat to tie, and it's smart for Microsoft. Why not tie in with Android while Apple is tying in with, you know, the iOS? They might as well. So, you know, Microsoft's kind of embracing the Android operating system. So if you're thinking about getting a phone that will tie and work with your, you know, Windows 10 platform a lot better, this certainly, this is the one you want to be looking at. Monday morning, I get into work and we use Slack at work to communicate quickly what is between Slack? each other. Oh, like kind of Teams, I guess? Yeah, it's, it's like Teams and it's a social okay. media platform basically for work. Okay. And there's uh, messages waiting that says, why can't we connect to Zoom? What's going on? Why do uh, we have oh. uh, Why do we have a ticket in for Zoom issues? And, yep. and our Zoom our Zoom manager, is, is just literally just says, we're working on it. There's Wait, you have a Zoom issue. manager? We have a Zoom manager for the campus of Notre Dame, yes. Somebody wow. who handles, because we have to handle all of the large license volume. We have X number of large licenses, X number of uh, webinar licenses, wow. X number, you know, they, they've got to manage the content. I just didn't know that that, so, that yes. position even existed. A Zoom it didn't manager. until about three months ago. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, I mean, when you're running 20 to 25,000 Zoom sessions a day on campus, it gets a little, you need to manage it somehow. Um, so yeah, Zoom had a national had a national outage today. It was a large day for a lot of schools going back to full digital learning. A lot of universities, a lot of grade schools all over the country, and Zoom had a major outage. Now, what it affected was, I want to I want to call it Active Directory login. So if you were on a on a, a network that required you to oh SSO using, yes SSOs, that was the issue. You couldn't authenticate using a web portal that went through your network and then connected to Zoom. That was what was broken. So if you had a single a single login, like I have a login that I can just type in my username and password and I can get onto Zoom. That wasn't the issue. It was this portal. So you have all these schools that are using this portal to connect their networks to Zoom securely. It was broken. Hmm. Now, it got resolved relatively quickly. So that leads me to believe that they were anticipating a large volume but they were ready for it in case it happened. And it only took a handful of hours for them to get back online and get us up and running. And I did not have any issues this afternoon, Monday afternoon, connecting to Zoom meetings that I had throughout the afternoon. So, But for a lot of people, what, what happens when you have this tech problem? Yeah, right. I mean, there's not if, much if you can if do. You're, if you're a parent that has a kid that is supposed to be having class and they're just like, Mom, it won't connect to me. I can't log in. Yeah, but that's for millions of Americans this morning. There's a lot of people that have been talking recently too, uh, Sean, about how Microsoft Teams is offering even more than Zoom. And I'm thinking this is a wrong time for a big failure like that, especially since Microsoft is really pushing people to say, hey, listen, Teams is going to be a really good solution for you instead of Zoom. Yeah, I can see a lot of people switching over, but you have to realize well, a lot of these places had to have contracts signed and had to have infrastructure in place and now you're going to make students and parents learn a new system because it's not easy. I mean, it's not easy for not every parent and not every kid is good with technology. So, so if you have a parent that maybe isn't that good with technology, but a kid that's maybe smarter, there might be some discourse there. And then there might be some some headaches. But you, you might have kids that live with a guardian or grandparents that maybe don't know technology at all. And now they're forced to learn another new system. And I could just see that causing a lot of frustration with parents or guardians of kids that are using this on a daily basis. So the theme of this show really honestly is Microsoft because we've been talking a lot about Microsoft. Mm -hmm. And speaking of Zoom, you know, Teams, Microsoft Teams is the well, basically a direct competitor to Zoom. Now, Microsoft Teams started as Microsoft Link and then Microsoft bought Skype. And they brought in video conferencing and things like that. And then they just converted the whole thing into a program we call now Teams. And with this whole COVID thing, with people working from home, Zoom and Teams have really been competing because they are really trying to get their market share out there because that's what everybody's using, either Teams or Zoom. And it's funny, but, it's funny though, because Google's trying to do it as well with Meet. Yeah, you know, like, oh, Google is yeah. way too far behind on this thing. Yeah, They're but not they even, are annoying they should just go it's home. popping up in my Gmail app every day. Yeah, yeah. yeah, now, yeah. It, now where my Compose icon used to be, it's now a Meet icon. And I tap yeah. on that all the time. And it's like, who do you want to meet with? 
<laughs> I don't want to mean. I want to send an email. No, but listen. So, so uh, teams just this last week they they released a new update that is really I, I think if, if you want to consider it, it's pretty much declaring war. That's what a lot of Zoom. people have been saying about this. Yeah, and it's it's one of the biggest new features that they're talking about. And I'm I'm looking at this on Forbes.com. Is it's called advanced communications. So it's a 60-day free trial via the Teams Admin Center, or you can get it through Office 365 or whatever. But what it does, the first big ability is the ability to have mega meetings with up to 20,000 participants in view-only mode, which means you could hold an entire lecture, and you don't have to worry about... Um, um, I'm sorry, Bob, 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 can you, Bob, can you put yourself on mute? Yeah, Bob, mm-hmm. we can hear your kids. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can hear your kids in the background, Bob. Put put yourself on mute. No, you don't have to worry about that because with Teams now, you can just do view only mode. Um, you could, yeah, you could hold concerts, sporting events. You could do all that with Teams. So that's that's really really cool. And also, they have an interactive meeting with up to one thousand people. You can have an interactive meeting with one thousand people. Zoom cannot do that. Right, so Zoom currently the limit is 500, mm-hmm. and you have to have an individual license for that. Yeah, and the university has X number of licenses that can do these large webinars. Now, for the smaller webinars, it's kind of whatever you know. You have to release a license to do this. So I get that. Um, yeah, you're seeing these updates. Teams will have it. Then Zoom will have it. Zoom will have it. Team yeah. will have, teams will have it. Yeah, but here's the, the thing big, that Zoom the, doesn't have. Zoom doesn't have Azure. Azure is, a, and that's the backbone. Yes, that's of, the cloud network yeah. of Microsoft. Zoom has tried to compete with that audio, the 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 view only mode. They they have announced that they're allowing you to do high HD audio. I'll have to look it up, but they have a blog that they posted that's saying that towards the end of August they're releasing an update that's going to allow you to do uncompressed pa- audio pass through, basically. You can say, don't affect my audio at all. Take it raw from the microphone or my processor and don't compress it. Like I said, I'm a Skype user, but I've yet to jump into Teams. But I'm, I'm really thinking I want to do that. Well, Teams is basically Skype with chat. Yeah. With a, with a better version of chat. I, I have a feeling that they're going to announce an end of life for Skype. Yeah, I right. think so. Right. Now, would that work? Now, I've seen some, uh, some webcasts or videocasts where I think they're using Zoom, where somebody like Sean, you'd be talking... And all of a sudden, you would fill the frame, and it would be you. And then when you yeah. stop talking, it would go to the next person that talks. Because yeah. I've always wondered, because when we do this, obviously, it's, you know, three shot or four shot or five, you know, wh- whoever's doing the show, and it kind of stays that way. So when I talk, it doesn't suddenly, oh, boom, there's just me, so you can focus on That's, who's talking. Teams, it does ha- Yeah, Teams and Zoom both do that. It's called active speaker mode. Basically, it just identifies, hey, I'm getting audio from this person. It spotlights that person. Um, now the way we use it, we don't always want that to be the case, right? We want to have control. So we have multiple computers running zoom where we have Justin on one computer, Andy, you on another, John on another, me on a third screen that's being captured so we can cut back and forth in the switcher. Right. But that's not, that's not ideal for every scenario. So you have this active speaker mode, which allows the person speaking to be spotlight. So I'm reading from, from Broadway's blog right now that they talked about that, that they've already announced Skype is going away. And Teams is also tied into replacing SharePoint. Now, oh, SharePoint wow. SharePoint is another Microsoft product that allows people to collaborate, share files together, uh, do like uh, Excel spreadsheets and things like that. You know, in real time collaboration. But it's it's interesting that if they're going to get rid of Skype and they're going to get rid of SharePoint, they're going to put all of this into Teams. That's kind of like putting all your eggs in one basket. But that is interesting. Teams could be the next big thing. Justin, you were working on something this week, which I thought was, um, that's got to be totally frustrating. And it's the horror no. from all of us in the tech world. Mm. When suddenly a drive can't be found anymore. Can, can yep. you tell us a little bit about what you were working on? Well, I wasn't really working on anything. I was sitting down to watch my Plex server and I launched the Plex app on my TV and it kept saying that my server wasn't available. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did a little bit of troubleshooting. I went to my computer and I'm like, well, my computer's turned on, blah, blah, blah. Let me restart it. I restarted the computer. 
it still said the Plex server was unavailable. So I'm like, okay, well, I opened up File Explorer in Windows. I went to my E drive, which is where my Plex library lives, and it was all there. But then I tried to double-click on one of the folders, and, and it said inaccessible. Mm. I'm like, hmm, okay, so let me click on another one. Every folder I clicked on said inaccessible, and I'm like, oh, no. You didn't hear the any clicking? You didn't? Nope. No. No clicking, nothing like that. The drive just failed. And so I'm thinking it was, you know, it's a logic board thing. But I don't have another drive of that exact same model with the exact same board. But what I do have was a backup. <laughs> and I didn't think I did. I, I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, there goes my Plex library. I don't have any backup of it. But then I remembered uh, back in 2017, uh, we went to Costco and my wife and I, and I found a an eight terabyte Seagate uh, 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 drive. It was like $200 or something like that. It was a, it was a steal. Terabytes? Wow. It was a steal at the time. And I put it in the cart, and my wife was like, what is that? I'm like, it's a backup drive. And she's <laughs> like, no, we're not going to buy that. I said, no, we are going to buy that, and it's going to save us someday. And she's like, well, whatever. <laughs> well, today's the day, folks. Today is the day. I did. I took a backup as soon as I got home that day, and I and I and I backed up everything from 2017. Which that drive really, honestly, hasn't changed that much. Right. I mean, sure, I've imported a few more DVDs and things from my library and my Plex server, you know, stuff like that. But for the most part, it really hasn't changed. So when I fired that backup drive up, and I'm like, oh, there it is. Everything was there. I I popped in a new two terabyte drive to replace the failed one terabyte drive and i just I've, I've done a full restore and now what i'm doing now is i'm going through all of my current drives and i'm backing everything back up to that backup drive to take a 2020 snapshot of everything that i have cool and then i'm going to put it back in its in its in its anti-static bag in a drawer in my closet away from everything and just let it sit until the next time i need it Bear back going to update my Plex drive. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> gotta a, go back it up. That is gotta a, go back up with Plex drive. That is the now, scariest now to be thing. Fair, to be fair, I do have a dual dual bay um, drive carrier where I have two two terabyte drives in, and once a week it backs up to that other two terabyte drive. So oh, nice. Okay. My, my Plex server is already set up to be a weekly backup so if one drive does fail i, I do have a yeah backup, I, so. I i'm kind of thinking about that i mean i like this this backup drive that i have and i might end up actually doing that i might set it up now andy you mentioned acronis right? yeah acronis actually uh 2021 was just announced this week which has some extra precautions extra security and you know they kind of roll with the times um they've got some protection for those people who are using zoom or using you know microsoft teams or any of the online video chats as well but, you know, the main thing about Acronis is making a backup. Yeah. And now can... that's what I that's what I use. I use the scheduler within Acronis 2020 to make that weekly backup. And it just runs. I don't turn my Plex server off unless I'm going away for multiple days and I don't have need access to it. But, uh, yeah, it, it I... runs great. It's a, I'm running it off of a, it's run. It runs really great. It's running Windows 10. Yeah. I think I'm going to need to get. Uh, my my a copy of of Acronis 20, right. 2020 or twenty twenty one you know whatever it is because I think that I might have another drive that might be failing soon mm-hmm. so I think I I really need to get that program so I can just do what Sean is doing and just do that weekly backup I mean it, I, I I always think about it I'm like I'm an IT I should know better but but being an IT I'm like eh, my stuff's running fine uh, until it doesn't yeah famous last words yeah famous stuff. Famous, yeah, last famous, words. famous last words and there's nothing better that when you do have a drive failure when you know you have a backup yeah then you're like yeah no big deal now some people will say well why can't i just back up to the cloud can i just back up everything to icloud you could. or there, there's services yeah i've tried it. it it takes forever i mean in today's day with with so much data on your computer you know they they set a like a an upload i mean an upload limit and uh, not a limit but like a bandwidth limit and your computer might be sitting there for weeks just to get your stuff uploaded. And don't forget yeah. when you, you got to get it downloaded too. Yeah. And if you're using a service, I know Andy, you had an issue with your, one of your cameras and they dropped the service, right? Mm-hmm. What yep. happens if you have your data stored yeah. with a service and then they come back online or you go to download it and they're like, well, we got, we got bought by another company. Hopefully your data is okay. Yeah, exactly. Or right. we'll give you your data back for one-time fee of nine ninety nine, ninety nine. Right. Yeah, you're better off with, especially with the cost per megabyte now. 
or the cost per gigabyte. I guess you could say. Yeah, really. yeah, not gigabyte now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, and but some people are frightened. They're they're really afraid. They're they're hesitant about doing a backup. I know Microsoft. You should not be. But Microsoft offers a backup program. But honestly, I would say bypass that and just go with Acronis because yeah. because it's so so easy to use. You're going to get a lot more functionality it, out of it. Even before Andy, you got me a copy of Acronis 2020. Mm-hmm. I had bought Acronis 2019. Right. So when I when I before I started doing the radio show with you guys, I had already purchased a copy because I needed to do a backup, and I that's when I started backing up my Plex servers because I had a drive fail and I lost years worth of content, which I had thankfully stored across multiple other drives that I was able to restore. But um, Acronis has been it's very very easy it's been a, it's to been use a and understand. It's a cloning software. It's a duplicating software. It's not it's nothing more than that. It's not a it's not a super partition wizard. It's not going to be able to do master boot record stuff and things like that, but it is a cloning software. Yeah, the only the only problem I, I ever ran into it uh, with that was one program that didn't want to cooperate, and that was, <clears throat> excuse me, and that was uh, QuickBooks uh, because I use QuickBooks. QuickBooks has a different way of registering. So when I tried to make a clone of a drive to a larger drive, for some reason, QuickBooks didn't want to work that way. I had to, you know, reinstall and do all kinds of crazy stuff just to get that one program to work. But everything else was fine. And we figured, you know what? It's aviation. We've been talking about it with Microsoft Flight Simulator. Uh-huh. So if you've ever been interested in, I know in the common area of technology, you know somebody that's gone on a flight and you want to track their flight. Yeah. Okay. Flightaware.com. Great website. Right? We used to use this in news to track when team planes would leave flying from one location to another to, to figure out if we were going to be hiring a new head coach for the Detroit lions or things like that. Cause it's kind of fun to, because you, can, because you can track by corporation, you can track by flight tail number, all that stuff. So if you go to flight aware, F L I G H T aware, A W A R E.com, it gives you a real look at the number of airplanes in really any airspace in the world. Yeah. Oh wow! It's a and really right good now, website. Right now, there are oh my lord, unbelievable, unbelievable at the number of yep. planes that are in the air right now. Mm-hmm. And this is with the decrease from COVID. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty so amazing. There are you there? I don't know what the stats are, but you can go in and then you can click on any one of those planes, and you can see where they're going, what their flight number is, what their airspeed is, all this information that is generated by the plane given to the transponders, relayed yep. back and forth. It's really, really cool. And Pretty it's real-time cool. uh, as far as the weather, so you can also get a weather, altitude, kind of a Doppler position. radar as to what, what's going on over okay. your, your community and how that's going to affect the air travel as well. Flightaware.com, they have an app as well. I think you can put on your smartphone. Yes. So if you have Flight Simulator and you want to track my flights when I'm going, you can look up, if you go to the live map and you go to the live view, you can search for tail numbers. Uh, played numbers. So mine is November Alpha Tango Delta two zero. Yeah. You can see if you're on, depending on which server you're on, I'm on US East. You can see other live players live, sure. their altitude, yeah. their heading, all this stuff. Good stuff. I like it. All right. That's it for this week's Tech Talk Radio. We'll be back next week uh, after a camping excursion that Justin is going on. We'll find out a little Vacation. bit about that. Hopefully you don't get eaten by a bear. Just a friendly reminder. The low fuel light comes on. You better yeah. be stopping. <laughs> <the show. laughs> All yes, right. Thank you, Sean. Uh, have a great time. We'll catch you both next week. Uh, that's it for this week's Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Justin Lemmy. Don't forget to find us on the web at techtalkradio.com. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs>